We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is draft week. The Green Bay Packers are going to be picking 13th, uh, and we'll get to that here in just a minute as to how that happened in this year's first round, uh, up two slots from 13, or from 15, excuse me. They might go up two slots from 13 again. Who knows? That's a long way between now and that. We've got a topic today, and we will spend the majority of our time on it because by the time you guys are listening to this, this is very old news, but Monday afternoon probably around three o'clock central time a trade broke and the the saga if you will is over oh and i I, you and i kind of think similarly so i imagine your answer is going to be the same on this but me i was just like it's gonna happen it'll probably happen before the draft like i never thought it served anybody any purpose for this to go beyond the draft and like realistically for everybody being like, Oh, I just want it to be over. Like it just doesn't really matter because Aaron Rodgers is not going to be the quarterback of the Packers. Like there just wasn't a scenario where that was going to happen. So if you want Jordan love to be the starter, then cool. Like that's, what's going to happen, but it is official. Um, I guess at the time of recording, it's not like official, 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 
But essentially, the picks in this trade that quote-unquote matter, there's a couple later round like pick swaps, but not going to go into those. But the picks in this trade that matter, the Packers get pick number 42, which was the pick the Jets acquired in the Elijah Moore trade, which is kind of funny. They get a conditional 2024 first-round pick, which turns into a first if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of snaps in 2023, which is very attainable. Um, I think for reference sake, the pick that the Colts got or the Eagles got that was conditional for Carson Wentz was like 80% of snaps. So this is significantly lower than that. Um, So what you're hoping for, in my opinion, and of course, like I mentioned, the pick swap, the Packers get pick 13, the Jets get pick 15. So what you're hoping for, and I guess I don't want to tell people what to think. You guys are more than welcome to uh, talk about or, you know, root for whoever you guys want to uh, win a particular game or not. But for me, if you're the Packers and a Packers fan, you're rooting for Rodgers to play enough games for them to go six and 11 or something like that and and play enough snaps for them to kind of get in that range so the Packers get another mid-round pick and figure out where that's going to go. But the trade is over. It's done. Owen, what are your thoughts on on just this whole thing being pretty close to over? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, all things aside, right, like, this is it's a pretty monumental day for the Packers franchise, right? I mean, like, either the best or second best, whoever you want to talk to, quarterback in, in franchise history is now gone, right? And that's a, that's a big deal. And, um, you know, the, most of the other Baron franchises in the division, you know, what can kind of talk about how spoiled Packer fans have been, right? For the last 30 years, you've had Hall of Fame level quarterback play. And, and while that's true, um, you know, that's, that's a big deal, right? And so Packer fans have become uh, used to it, taking it for granted, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and all other things aside, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is obviously no longer with the Packers. It's a big deal. Uh, as far as the media stuff goes, you know, like, thank God it's over, right? Like, it's just exhausting. Uh, and, and, you know, like, I'm I'm probably a bit different or I'm a, a bit more probably cynical on this stuff. But, like, I've somewhat been able to remove myself from most fandom of most things, right? Like, I cheer for the Packers, but, like, their success does not determine my mood um, or, or the outlook on things. Uh, and so, to an extent, I was like, unless the UW Platteville football team is playing or unless I get hired by an NFL team, like I don't really care about the result of most things. Um, but all things considered, now you can move forward, right? Jordan Love is now the quarterback uh, for a year or more. We'll see how that goes, right? But now you can at least like kind of remove the variable. You can you can kind of settle the unknown and be like, well, and like you said, like it's been a, a foregone conclusion for a while that Rodgers wasn't going to be the quarterback in 2023. But as far as what the Packers look like moving forward, right? Like now you get a bit clearer picture. Um, you know, our, our pal Justice Mosqueda is now um, absolutely home run derbying the timeline with with Jets takes. But as far as, you know, if you're a Packers fan, you move up two spots, you get a second, you get probably a first next year. That's about as good as you're going to get, I think, two to three days before the draft, right? And as far as, you know, you give yourself a little bit extra ammo and um, kind of referring to the Rodgers thing, I think the best case scenario for the Packers is you hope that like the Jets are in like the in the hunt into week 17 or 18, right? Like that's because I 
a, a buddy of mine had said today, he's like, do you think that Aaron Rodgers isn't petty enough to know where he's at percentage of snaps wise? And like, if the jets are out of it, like he's not going to sit out and kind of like punish the Packers for, um, you know, whatever his feelings may be, if, if they get to be, if they're three and nine and he's like, absolutely not, no way I'm playing these next five games. Cause I'm at 63% of the snaps for the year. Um, and knowing that that would hurt the Packers moving forward, but all in all, um, one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history and, and one of the two best quarterbacks in Packers history is no longer or will no longer be with the franchise. So regardless of your feelings about him personally or professionally or your feelings about the Packers Super Bowl window or whatever, whatever the case may be, um, it is certainly a, a legitimate and substantial event. Um, I guess I'll probably leave it at that. There's a lot of ways to look at it, a lot of perspectives, but I'm sure in a couple of years, Packers fans will feel a bit differently than they do today. Um, kind of like they did on about number four as well. Um, but just in the moment, the Packers give themselves a better chance to not only compete immediately as far as uh, the the draft capital, but also to, to continue to build the roster and, and set yourself up for the future um, and provide yourself with quite a bit more cap flexibility after this dead cap uh, is off the books this year. Yeah, and we'll see 100% what that looks like. There are reports that Rodgers is signing a new contract. We don't know all the details of that stuff, and I don't want to bog you guys down with with numbers and everything like that. But you know, my take on it is you know, Aaron Rodgers is one of my five favorite players in the history of the franchise. Of course, uh, you know this is a, a sad moment. Um, it's also relieving to some degree, um, and I think it's the right thing for them to do. Like That's, the, that's part of it, right, is – unfortunately it's the right thing for them to do. Like if we could sit on a normal, like people don't age type timeline and things like that, then yeah, I would want Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback forever and ever and ever, but that's just not how this profession, how this game works. Um, So you're hoping that, that Jordan love can be that next guy. Like I said, I think it's interesting to see now because the people that are celebrating um, and celebrating on behalf of wanting to see Jordan love play. I will be interested to see how that perspective changes even a year from now. You know, you mentioned earlier a year, maybe two. And I think that's the right way to look at it is it could, it could be one year. Like there, there is a non-zero chance. And that's, I've been talking about this quite a bit. There's a non-zero chance now that the Packers like, okay. When Rogers was the quarterback, and last year was a quote unquote bad year. They were never going three and 14. Like, and I know I got some doom and gloom type stuff during the season where I said it was possible, but like they were never going to go three and 14 with Rodgers as a starting quarterback. There's a non zero chance that happens with Jordan Love. And if that happens, I'm not predicting this will happen. I'm not rooting for this for happen. Go argue with a wall if you guys want to come into my mentions about some stuff like that. But there is a non-zero chance they're three and 14. And if that does happen, I'm sorry, but like my general rule of thumb is unless you have like Patrick Mahomes and then something terrible happens and he ends up, you know, not playing the season and then the chiefs get the number one pick. But if you're picking number one, everything is on the table. Picking a new quarterback is on the table and, you know, sitting here now just thinking how that season would probably look if they went three and four, like there aren't very many, if any scenarios where the Packers are picking number one overall and you're like, you know what? Jordan love was good last year. Like there just aren't many again, if any, I can't think of any off the top of my head where that happens either. So 
if that happens, you know, you're talking Mark Murphy, member emeritus, you're talking Brian Gutekunst gone, you're talking Matt LaFleur gone and just kind of blowtorching the whole thing because that's the way that that's part of what it'll have to be. I think they know that. Um, and that's just kind of part of it. And this could have happened, you know, years ago too, when they traded Brett Favre, if Rogers had stunk up the place, then, you know, honestly, in 2009, I remember the team was four and four and they ended up going to the playoffs that year and they were really, really good. But if that team had missed the playoffs, it was possible. The Vikings played in the NFC championship game that year. They got swept by the Vikings that year. The Packers got swept by the Vikings that year. Like it was possible that the team just said, okay, this did not work. Mike, you're fired. Ted, you're fired. And Aaron, you're not the quarterback anymore. So we're going to have to do something completely different because we have a massive egg on our face because of how this far situation went. No doubt. And I think, you know, I, I don't, you know, kind of like you mentioned with the ageless thing, right? Like all good things must come to an end, right? Like eventually Aaron Rodgers was not going to be the quarterback. Um, but all that being said, I, I hate to, to do this, um, but there's a very, very non-zero chance that, Big brain, the Packers go five and twelve, and the Jets go seven and ten, and all of a sudden the Packers are maybe in a position to package number six and number fourteen to go to number two to go get somebody like Drake May or Caleb Williams or whoever, you know, the case may be, right? Like it's now they may have two first round picks next year, right? And depending on how the year you know, everything, all things considered, like chaos is a ladder, you know, like it, it's a, there's, there's a shot, right? All of a sudden you're like, yeah, well, the Packers now have picks number seven and 13 and they have just traded up with the Houston Texans for the number two overall pick. And it's a new era in green Bay. The Jordan love era didn't work. And all of a sudden it's a fire sale because they're getting rid of guys and they've got a bunch of cap room and a bunch of picks, right? Like it's, I would never wish for that, but like to now to pretend like that reality isn't somewhere on the Rick and Morty infinite timelines is, <laughs> is off. Right. Like that's, and again, like you mentioned that too, like if, if the Packers do struggle, like, well, Brian, you were the one that upset the, you know, upset the egg cart by drafting Jordan love while Aaron was still on the team. And now you run Aaron off and Jordan didn't work. And we're out you, right? Like we're going to hit the reset button and try it again. And like, that's when all of the, like all the things that guys like Adam shine and, and, you know, some of these guys that, you know, Packer fans are kind of mocking for saying like, Oh, you know, the Jordan love pick is one of the worst ones in NFL history, blah, blah, blah. Like if they stink, all of that criticism becomes incredibly valid because it is regardless of the context, regardless of context of the pick, because I've gone over this, we've talked about it. You know, you could see potentially Rogers declining, blah, 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 all that stuff. This is a results-based business. And like, nobody's going to remember that, well, you know what? Aaron didn't play that well in December and kind of stunk. And then there was this problem. No, it was just, no, you ran off the franchise quarterback and didn't get a player that could help the Packers win the Super Bowl after they played in the NFC title game. And then you played in a subsequent title game, couldn't win and be like, the way history will remember Brian Gutekunst if Jordan Love stinks is you didn't do enough to push Aaron Rodgers over the top, and you're the guy who traded Aaron Rodgers. You know, the the legacy of Ted Thompson isn't outside of guys that are, like, in their 50s and still yelling about how 
Brett Favre could still play football today if he put on shoulder pads. Like outside of that group, Ted Thompson's legacy has transitioned from one Hall of Fame quarterback to the next, won the team a Super Bowl because of it. But if it went the other way, you traded the greatest player in the history of the Green Bay Pack. Like all the things people are saying now about Brian Go- or uh, Aaron Rodgers on his way out. That's how that would go. So that's the case. It's going to be interesting to watch how this all plays out. I will say from a fan perspective, from a content creator perspective, um, like I said, it is kind of sad that this is what has to happen. I, I also think that it makes the 2023 season more exciting uh, just because I think the ceiling with this team with Rogers was like 11 and six, win the division and losing the playoffs. Like I can't picture yep. a scenario of them breaking that barrier and getting into the, the NFC championship, super bowl, like, you know, whatever. I know the optimist of optimists will be like, well, they played with Philly and Philly went to the super bowl, but it's just like, I don't, I don't know how you watched last year's team and thought like, you know, I'll move here or there and they're going to the Super Bowl. Like right. I, just, I don't know how you could do that. So yeah, that's not what happened. Gutekunst admitted as much today in his in his media media uh session as well that he thinks that like the team's further away than they were. So he didn't say those words explicitly, but he basically did. So that's where we're at. Aaron Rodgers is a jet. Pick 13 and pick 42 belong to the Green Bay Packers. They now have three picks in the top 45, one of which could be used. On a tight end. And I got to ask the first question, Owen, because I know you love questions like these. Can you take a tight end in the first round? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like it's the, you know, the, uh, the concept of player value or premium positions or whatever. I'm sure it has a bunch of merit and a bunch of cool reasoning behind it. But the fact of the matter is like, I would much rather take a good tight end in the first round over like a boomer bust wide receiver pick or a, a worse player at a theoretical player of a uh, position of higher value. Um, now that being said, like four years ago, do I think it was the wisest decision for the lions to take TJ Hawkinson at like eight overall or whatever they did given the state of their team at that time? Probably not. Um, however, if TJ Hawkinson came in and was a, I guess somewhat fairly similar, right? Like an above average starting tight end and, and became a staple of the franchise, right? Like if the team was better quicker, he's probably got a different perception, right? Like if you told me, and this is, this is maybe a bit dated, so please uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like if you told the Ravens that Todd Heap would be Todd Heap, or if you told the Steelers that Heath Miller would be Heath Miller and meant what they did to those franchises, the same exact, you make those uh, picks every single day, right? Seven days a week. And those guys became like synonymous with those teams. Um, You know, like I'm pretty sure like they probably do the same, like Pat Fryermuth might catch a ball, but they like, I'm pretty convinced the Steelers fans still just chant Heath, right? Like whenever they catch it, it gets depending on the, depending on the structure of your offense and how you want to do it. Right. Like the tight end can be a huge deal. Also, cliche, cliche, football jargon, uh, a good tight end is a young quarterback's best friend, blah, blah, blah. The value that the Packers offense puts on the run game, um, a tight end can help in that facet. They can also help in keeping defenses in, at the very least, nickel, if not base personnel, depending on how you utilize them. And then also, too, like, they can also catch balls, which might appeal to to some fans more than others, right? But as far as... Um, you know, yes, I, I do believe that the Packers can and should, um, 
take a tight end uh, in the first round, whether or not they do, I'm not sure. But I, if they feel so inclined, I would have zero qualms about it. Uh, I, I don't. Um, outside of kicker and punter or long snapper, I find it hard to justify taking a not taking a player in the first round, no matter um, or you know depending on if you think how if if you have them rated highly enough. Right. Like, am I down to take a running back top five? Maybe not outside of that. And, and also if they're Saquon, maybe. Right. But like outside of maybe, and you know, like they took Quay Walker at 15, that's probably about as high as I would take an off ball linebacker. But outside of that, yeah. Like if he's good enough or if you ever know how to rate it high enough, take the good players. You won't regret having too many good players. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And I think that's especially true. Again, I keep saying we got to stop looking at this Packers team through the prism of winning the Super Bowl in 2024. That's not going to happen unless Jordan Love is the league MVP in 2023-2024. Like, that's just not realistic. So this Packers roster, as presently constructed, is not good enough. So find who are your best players. Now, would I prefer, do I think the Packers absolutely, like I don't like living by hard and fast rules like that, right? Like I know you said they should take a tight end in the first round, and I know that's probably not what you meant. But like, you know, for example, if Michael Mayer is on the board when the Packers are on the clock at 13, but so is Paris Johnson, 
I'm taking Paris Johnson because I think he's a better player overall than, than Michael Mayer. And I love Michael Mayer. You may not find a bigger Michael Mayer fan in the world outside of maybe the Notre Dame fighting Irish alumni and, and fan base that they have. But other than that, I don't think they have to do that. It's the same, same as true, you know, insert whatever guy here with Dalton Kincaid. Now that being said, when a room is like, that's not a hard and fast rule either of just take the best players because at some point with the way green Bay's tight end room is constructed, you're going to have to force a pick at some point. Like they can't just be like, Oh shit. Well, we waited till day three. Guess we got to grab a few guys now. Like at some point. Yeah. They're, to... Yeah. They're not going to roll into day one with Tyler Davis uh, with all due respect to Tyler Davis. Um, they're not rolling in with him into day even. Yeah. Day two. I mean, probably day two, but maybe not even day three is like, yeah, like we feel really great about the room. I'm like, bro, there's one of them. Like that's, that ain't it. No. And I will say this, I would bet you so the, and we'll talk more about this, but as far as the big, you know, the big five that everybody points out is Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, and this isn't in order, but Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave of those five guys, I would feel 80% confident that one of them is going to be a green Bay Packer. At least Um, I would be surprised if two of them, did just I think the only way that happens is if one of them like reports today came out that Darnell Washington was failing medicals and might slip to day three. Like if that happens, then maybe they they take a shot on that. I don't think they will based on a lot of different things. Um, but that's just kind of a thought process there. But you mentioned Michael Mayer um and him and Kincaid. To me, with this group, those two guys are in a class by themselves. They do do two different things. You know, Kincaid, more of that big slot, Mike Gasicki type guy. Um, and that's where you know, I think some of I would I think I would appreciate maybe the next evolution of, of football analysis can be, you know, discussing players with their position, like their true position. You know, is he a Y tight end? Is he an F tight end? Is he U tight end? You know, what way do we go with those particular players? You know, Michael Mayer, a little bit more traditional Y and Dalton Kincaid flexes into the slot and is more of your big pass catcher. Again, I mentioned like Mike Gasicki, which isn't to say he's an incapable blocker. Um, but he's not the lineup on the line of scrimmage and punch you in the face like Michael Mayer can be. So um, do you have a preference between those guys or anybody else that jumps into that, that conversation with those two, or are those the top two guys? Um, I'm sure this would come as a a surprise to zero people that have ever heard me speak about the game of football before, but I'm generally more for well-rounded tight ends and just simply the mismatches that a three-man surface can provide defense when trying to fit the run as far as, you know, gap, gap integrity, as well as, as kind of helping to dictate personnel defensively. Um, Dalton Kincaid's a good football player. Um, Daniel Jeremiah is a very smart guy. He's been very, pretty steadfast about the Packers being connected with Dalton Kincaid for quite some time. Uh Michael Mayer would probably be my preference, all things equal. Um, also, you mentioned Darnell Washington. While I, I have not reached the level of fandom uh, or the the caricature of him being this Goliath human being like Twitter did because he measured in like we thought he would and weighed in like we thought he would at the combine type of thing, like um, uh, all the reports coming out about him failing medicals now sounds – I mean, and while like depending where they come from, it sounds a lot like someone that wants him to fall. It would would release something of of, those, of that nature so they can swoop in. 
Um, I would not, I mean, all things considered, we are not privy to all this information, but if you told me the Packers used one of those second round picks on Darnell Washington, I, I would not be heartbroken about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, Michael Mayer is a guy who, if you look at any like great tight end, probably outside of probably Travis Kelsey, who even is a capable blocker when asked to, right? Just the matter of, and the, the, the way that the Kansas City Chiefs play offense, they don't ask him to do that much um, because with Patrick Mahomes, you're always going to try to be in a track meet every week, right? But he, um, a guy like Meyer to me or Mayer to me, um, you know, like he can do everything, right? Like why, like why would you want to pigeonhole yourself into specific schematic limitations based off of stuff like that? Now I understand that's not how the way that football is always played in 2023, um, I'm not blind to that, right? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars starting tight end is Evan Ingram, who was a wide receiver, right? Like I'm not not blind to that, um, you know. And depending where you look, but even the analytics darling Brandon Staley talked about right when he got the job with the Chargers about like running the football is like useful because it makes the defense actually have to tackle people, right? Like not necessarily just drop into coverage, like the physical act of like having to execute as opposed to like the, the theory of just whipping it around all the time. Um, I kind of feel the same way regarding the tight end position, right? Like not only can you get defensive structures to, to alter, but also the same thing. Like you always present the idea that you could run the ball and be physical and force them to tackle and fit the run. And in the, in, in today's day and age of 215 and 20 pound linebackers in the NFL, which I'm sure Levon Kirkland is, rolling over and I, I understand he's not dead, but rolling over and in, in his future grave, um, thinking about something <laughs> like that, right? Like, um, you know, I, I think that there will be a point where the NFL will cycle back a bit to being like a, a I don't think it'll ever be a run first league again, just due to the, the rule changes that the NFL has implemented and, and how much they have to lose if fantasy football dips in possible uh, popularity. Um, but someone like Michael Mayer allows you to do everything. And for someone like Matt LaFleur, who has shown the propensity to run the ball quite a bit for, for 2023 and the way they're trying to build the team, um, re-signing Aaron Jones and drafting A.J. Dillon in the second round and taking a fullback in the third round and, and all these things, um, I, I would assume that Brian Gutekunst also values running the football. And, and to me, Mayer makes the most sense there. Yeah, I agree. And I, I here's my beef with just the whole thing is I feel like with mayor, it's almost, what do they call it? Prospect, uh, like fatigue, fatigue. Yeah. Like that thing, because he has the best film and then he tested like a really good athlete. So what are we doing? Yeah. He tested like he looks on film. Right. So why are we, why are we acting like he's a bad athlete that trips over his shoes every time he runs a route more than five yards? Cause that's not the case. Number one. Number two, I think the point you mentioned is a good one because last year there were some – Paul Brettel had the had the data, and I'll have to ask him for this, but he wrote an article where it was like if Mercedes Lewis was on the field, the run percentage was much higher than when Robert Tunyon was on the field, and then the pass percentage was much higher. Like your tight ends were a tell as to what you were doing, and that's kind of what you were talking about as far as getting a guy who can do both. And I think that Ben Fennell was on this, this platform with Andy Herman. And he basically said like, you know, why tight ends are really hard to find. And he's right. They are, there aren't that many. That's kind of why, like, you know, teams have really struggled with, with some of those things. And I think they are valuable. Number one, number two, 
Um, to answer your questions, you know, earlier, I think he is the best tight end in this class, Michael Mayer is. And and I and I take that as putting all those positions together, like I said earlier. I think he's the best one. Um now Dalton Kincaid is a very valuable piece to an offense. I'm not pretending that's not the case. Like, could you make an argument to me of hey, take Dalton Kincaid early and then you grab a guy like Luke Schoonmaker or Zach Koontz or somebody like that later and try and have them be your your wide tight end, you know, finding guys that are a little more experienced on the blocking side of things and, and let them do that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can. And I'm not going to be upset if the Packers take Dalton Kincaid. I just mentioned all of these guys. You mentioned Darnell Washington. Um, you know, I've, I've said before, I, I don't think the Packers are, are going to take him, but I'm not going to be like pissed if they would. Uh, I wouldn't take, I'll say this, as far as guys I would take in the first round, it's just the two guys that I just mentioned, Washington, Musgrave, and I love Sam Laporta maybe more than anyone. Uh, I would not take him in the first round either. That's a guy you got to take at 42 or 45, in my opinion. I know the draft simulator, somebody said this to me again today, <laughs> that they get him at 78, the PFF simulator, which whatever, like, cool. That's just kind of not how everything works. But uh, those are the, the, he's the best one. I think Mayer's the best one. I think he's the one. Albert Breer reported today that the Packers prefer Mayer to Kincaid. Uh, which doesn't surprise me based on some of the stuff Owen just said with wanting to have an offense that's, that's multiple and diverse and able to show run and pass looks at the same time. And frankly, that's something green Bay was really good at in 2020 when they were the number one offensive football and nuked the entire league uh, by being able to play those bigger formations, run the ball, but also throw it to, you know, Devonte Adams, Mark was Scantling on crossing patterns and deep shots. Just they were really good on offense in 2020 when they were able to do those things. And I think this year it may not be an immediate dividend that happens like, you know, in 2023, there will be some things like if the Packers were to take a tight end, he's on the short list for like potential rookie of the year, just because of sheer opportunity. That's going to happen. Like they just don't have anybody like Owen mentioned before that. So those are those guys. Let's go to that next group. You talked about Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta, uh, Luke Musgrave. Those are some guys in there. Um, Luke Schoonmaker is a guy that, that I've, I've talked about a bunch and not just because of the, the logo on his helmet, but I think he's a potentially a really good player, but who are some of those, what are your thoughts on some of those like day two, early day three guys that have caught your eye? Yeah. I mean, again, it should come to no surprise to anyone, but like all things, I'm very generally all things equal, like take the bigger human being in the game of football. Um, Darnell Washington provides a lot of that. Uh, he's a guy that I think to me, right? Like, and again, we don't have access to the medical stuff, but unless there's something like absolutely crippling, right? Like I, if you told me like there's a 50% chance that Michael Mayer would be the pick at 13, but there's a hundred percent chance that like you could get Darnell Washington at 42. Again, I'm pretending in a, a world here where he's healthy to get to go. Um, you know, like a dude of that size, who can kind of move again, not like a freak alien athlete, but very capable. Um, the concept of me of like, again, just the flexibility of, of personnel is a huge thing. I like him a lot. Uh, Sam Laporta, you know, coming from Iowa, you know, he's going to be physical as hell and, and run block his ass off. Right. Like that's like literally their, their whole thing. Um, as well as him being a good athlete and him being a good pass catcher. I think he was like an all state like receiver coming out of high school and, um, so obviously that, that pops off Luke Schoonmaker is a guy that we had at the Shrine Bowl who did not 
practice uh, due to injury, but um, is another guy I find very intriguing. Again, more of that well-rounded Y tight end, um, inline Big Ten style. the one that, that really freaks me out is is Musgrave, um, just because like I'm a pretty big proponent of like people don't you become better at football at the combine, right? Like he's a freak athlete. He tested very impressively. Like I have n- I'm I'm not here to like to rain on his parade, but I I would much rather take the sure thing. I'm not a huge, uh, especially early. I'm not a big like. Everyone's like, yeah, like bet on traits. I'm like, yeah, that's sweet. Like bet on traits of like players that have shown them, you know, like, and so to me, like I, I would, I would much rather go with a sure thing at tight end early. And maybe then you can shoot for traits early day three for like Zach Koontz, right. Who tested out through the roof in Indy for being a huge human being. Um, but, but where you would be able to, take Musgrave, I think freaks me out a bit more. I'm for a team like green Bay, who is like not rebuilding, but isn't looking to win a super bowl, right? Like they're kind of like rebuilding, but it's not like a tear down to the studs rebuild. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like potentially whiffing on a second round pick. Uh, I mean, which is obviously the case for any pick, but like, Musgrave is more bust potential, I think, than most of the other guys that are that are kind of being discussed among those top tight ends, and that really kind of freaks me out. I think if you told me they got a tight end early, like someone like, and he has he has some uh, c word issues, but like Will Mallory, someone like that, like on mid day three, mid to late day three, would make more sense to me. Um, if you're looking for like athleticism and, and movement ability, uh, then then Musgrave, um, where you would probably have to take him, um, given his his stock at the moment. Yeah. And I agree on that. And I, you know, I know that I have a very, very good chance of looking very wrong about Luke Musgrave in a few years. And it's not like I haven't ranked as like the 10th tight end or anything like that. It's just kind of with you. I would rather like, I would be comfortable taking him at 78, the Packers third round pick, but he's probably not going to be available when the Packers are on the clock at 78. So you have to take him at 42 or 45. I just don't think Musgrave is a top 50 player. And when he's the fifth tight end on, on my personal rankings, you talked about Will Mallory, somebody I like quite a bit. Zach Koontz is somebody, Brenton Strange from Penn State, uh, Davis Allen from Clemson, Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State. Like there are some guys that I think, here's the V word, you can get better value for on in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, you know, than, than grabbing a guy like Musgrave where number one, you know, bet on traits, bet on traits. That's cool. And I do agree with that to a point, but like you mentioned, he has a poor, he said he struggled with contested catches and he struggled with drops like those two things together. That doesn't mesh that well with me. Um, he did some things in the passing game that certainly has its value. I just, I'm not as high on him as maybe like the green Bay draft guide, which you can get for a copy. Now, if you use the code, thank you 12 for $8 and 12 cents. Uh He's the number one ranked tight end. That is not by my choosing. That's just a cumulative ranking that they used. And that's what, that's what ended up spitting out. So I blame Kent Swanson for that. So if you want to direct your complaints to the supervisor, that is, that is how that works, but it's a very good tight end class. I will say that much. I know that much. I do think, I think, Owen, we can agree. Not only is green Bay going to pick one like early, they're going to pick more than one 
in this entire, like I could totally picture a scenario where it's like one, four and seven, two, four and five. Like I can't picture a scenario where green Bay's like, okay, we took Michael Mayer in the first round. You know what? We're good on tight end. Cause we have him and, and Tyler Davis and, Maybe we dust off Mercedes Lewis for one more season and, and go to battle with that. Like you can picture them taking more than one guy pretty easily, right? Yeah, and I think that's the like that's where I think you could really really sell me if you really wanted to get me horned up. As far as like Michael Mayer, at, <laughs> if you want to get Michael Mayer at thirteen, right? So you kind of get the uh, the all around guy, and then later with those picks, you can kind of be a bit more niche, right? Like I mentioned earlier, like Will Mallory, Will Mallory's a receiving tight end, right? Like he is not a blocker. He's not a devastator. He's a good athlete, move tight end, that H, whether it's a U, whatever. Then in the seventh round, which again, all things considered, right? Like a seventh round pick is an undrafted free agent that you're making sure you're bringing into camp. Um, Someone like Travis Vokalek from Nebraska, who is a, Six seven six eight two hundred fifty five pound like you are a basically a, a sixth offensive lineman like third offensive tackle type of guy out there. Then you're kind of hitting all the spots, right? Like someone like Mayer is going to be in first or third down, hundred percent. Like that's that's great. Then you get someone like Mallory who's more in on like if he's going to play more of like a wing or that H back uh, or maybe even in the slot. And then someone like Vokalek who can truthfully only really line up as an inline guy. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, and this is somewhat me being a homer, and this is not a draft take, but like someone like Dan Arnold, who um, you know has experience, has been a third tight end in Jacksonville, and um, was with Carolina before that, and w- primed to be in a bit of a more sought after role. But like a guy that that's a more of a receiver, but has been developed into a a capable blocker, right? And like in someone like Will Mallory, that's that's what you're looking for, right? Like you're never going to be an ass kicker, a tight end, but can you like shield on the backside of zone run plays, you know? And that's the, the concessions you're making late, right? Which is why I put such a value on the uh, comprehensive nature of someone like Michael Mayer, right? Who anything I ask him to do, he's going to be able to do, right? Like I can ask him to go block a six technique and I can also go ask him to break someone off on a corner route. And he's able to do both. Um, I do agree with you, though. They're going to take at least two. It would not surprise me if they took three and that third being a seventh round, like an undrafted flyer, or they draft two, but they bring in like three undrafted guys into camp. Or like two of them being like your more traditional tight ends and one of them, you know, the other thing to think about and consider here, Josiah DeGuara is in a contract year. So do they find his replacement later? You know, is that you want to call that a tight end? You want to call that a fullback, call it whatever you want. Is that something they do? Uh, I know they had the Ben Sims from Baylor in on a top 30 visit. He is a special teamer. That's something else that, you know, he comes in, that's immediate competition for like Tyler Davis's roster spot. Cause Tyler Davis, that's pretty much why he's on the team as special teams. But I do think they're going to try and get two guys that they want to, roster in in their ideal world you know not just add add guys for back end of the roster type competition you know for example if they take a a guard or something like that in the seventh round they're just trying to get him to compete with you know some of their other bottom of the roster uh 
offensive lineman that they have. I think they're going to try and grab, you know, one guy early again, one guy in the middle and one guy, like you mentioned late. And then even after that, I, you know, I think even if they do draft to, I, I mean, I could picture a scenario where there's, you know, four or five guys that are brand new. Cause the, again, there's just nobody in that room. Like there is nobody there. And, and again, with all due respect, Josiah DeGuara, not really a tight end. Like you're not going to line him up on, on the line of scrimmage and, and try and have him, you know, like when you're talking about there, can you seal some backside zone plays? A lot of DeGuara's success as a blocker came when they would like bring him in motion either out of the backfield or as a tight end and kind of give him a running start at some of these linebackers. They had some pretty good success on some run plays by doing that, some outside zone, some uh, toss plays, stuff like yeah, that. Split zone stuff, yeah. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, it's not like you line him up and say, okay, and granted, I, I, I'm saying this and I know it's kind of preposterous, but saying like, hey, tight end, block this defensive end one-on-one. Like for almost any tight end in the league not named George Kittle and Mercedes Lewis, you're like, okay, well, that's a loss. Can you lose slowly kind of thing? Right. Right. But otherwise, like, not that, but you're not even, you know, point of attack blocking, power blocking, stuff like that. You're just not going to get a lot of that with Josiah DeGuar. He's a role player. He's a niche player, uh, which the Packers, they they do need in Matt LaFleur's offense, but it's something they need a little bit later. And we've talked about Tyler Davis enough to to go through these things. That's going to do it for this edition of the Packaday Podcast. So uh, check us out at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can follow the Packaday Podcast wherever you find podcast platforms you can follow me on twitter i am at jacob westendorf you can follow owen he's at reese draft we'll be back next week the draft will be done by the time we're recording we will be talking about the team's second round picks uh they have two of them right now we'll see if it stays that way but we have two of them right now uh and we're looking forward to figuring out who it is the next time we talk it'll be like we said who are the packers draft who have they drafted instead of who are they going to draft so for myself, Owen Reese, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done